Welcome to episode 18 of the Chewy On Your Boot podcast and a massive guest tonight. He played 79 test matches and 185 one-day internationals for Australia, scored 19 test and three one-day centuries, is one of the nicest people in the world and is testament to the saying that good things happen to good people. Welcome Michael Hussey to the podcast. Huss, welcome to the show. Yeah, g'day Riley and Ben, how are you? Very well, very well. Yep. So um, we'll just, we'll get into it. Yep. What are your earliest memories of cricket and at what age did you realise that cricket was going to be the sport for you? Well, my earliest memories were playing in the backyard with my brother, yep. uh, Dave, uh, and if I think if there was a spirit of cricket uh, back in the backyard, we would have been banned for life. <laughs> there, was, there was fights, there was uh, yeah, punch-ups, there was cheating, bribery, Jeez. Uh, yeah, all kinds of stuff going on there, but uh, yeah, I think that's where our competitive spirit started. We used to love watching... Our heroes on TV, yeah, AB was my hero, um, yeah. so much so that I, I was actually a right-hander at yeah, the age of eight, and then um, turned around to be a left-hander just to be like AB. Yeah, yeah well, that's a fair effort, that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I thought about changing back a few times. <laughs> 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 Riley yeah. always tries to bat left-handed against me in the schoolyard. <laughs> How's it, how do you go? Oh, not very well, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of fun. Um, so you debuted for Western Australia in the 1994-95 Shield season, and what stands out in your mind about that debut? Oh, well, I fielded for about two and a half days watching Ricky Ponting smash double hundred, <laughs> one of the flattest pitches in the world, so yeah. I'd, I'd never fielded for that long in, in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a great experience. Um, you know, I was still a kid, I was, I was, what was I, 19 years of age, and um, I was a bit of a late developer, so I was still a pretty skinny, skinny little kid. I didn't have many shots, but um, just to be out on the same field with you know some of my heroes, guys like Tom Moody and yeah, Brendan Julian, yep. Adam Gilchrist were out there. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was it was great fun, and um, I really enjoyed it. I only got 16 in my first game, first innings. We only batted once, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was good. Yeah, it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. That's good. Yeah. And you joined English county side Northamptonshire for the 2001, 2002 and 2003 seasons before playing for Gloucestershire and Durham in the following seasons and scored a huge amount of runs in that time. How much did those successful experiences in, in English conditions help your cricket and future Ashes campaigns in England? Uh, it's a good question. It, it, I have no doubt that it helped improve my game enormously yeah. um, you're literally just batting every single day uh, different conditions different bowlers a lot of one day cricket as well so you're, you know, you're playing in a lot of different situations in games and and uh and they love their cricket over there it's a fantastic experience i i just felt like my game went from a, a good level to, to a, a very good level that yeah. can stand up in international cricket from playing county cricket so uh it's tough. It's tough going because, as I said, you're playing every day from basically April through to September, um, and so it gets pretty exhausting as well. But <laughs> as far as um, you know, improvement in your game, uh, it, it was awesome. I, I just love the experience. And how hard is it to adjust when you come back to Australia from the different pitches and weather? I suppose. I found it pretty um, uh, pretty tricky. Actually, I found it hard going both ways. But um, yeah. In particular, I found it hard coming from Australia, where the pitches are generally fast and bouncy and quite true, going to England and, and early season over there, they can be really green and, and have a lot of uh, have a lot of moisture in them. The ball yeah. goes around all over the place. And I just found I really struggled for probably the first month of every county season, and then something just clicks. And uh, 
once you sort of get used to the conditions, you, you feel like you can make some big runs and, and the outfields later in the season get rock hard and uh, it's, a, it's a great place to bat. And, and then you're right, you have to make the adjustment back, coming back to Australia. Um, but, but I found it probably a bit easier coming from slower pitches onto the faster pitches rather than the other way around. Yep. Huss, 2005 was a massive year for you, debuting in, your, in the one-day internationals as well as the tests. Um, how much of a big, how much of a step up were those matches for you, given you were quite experienced already? And what memories do you have from those test matches? Well, it's a big step up, definitely first class cricket to international cricket. Uh, the, the game is harder, obviously you're playing against the best players around the world, but it's all the external stuff that, that makes it really difficult. There's more media, there's more fans, there's there's more sponsor stuff that you've got to do, and uh, a lot of distractions going around the of the game. So, yeah, it, what I found difficult. Um, is ba- basically keeping my mind on the job uh, yeah. and just concentrating on what I needed to and not get distracted. As far as my first test, yeah, it was uh, it was a, an emotional roller coaster. Really, yeah. uh, obviously, really excited to get. Uh, well, I was actually on standby for Justin Langer initially, oh, okay. but just 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 to be there was uh, pretty exciting and. I remember watching Justin Langer like a hawk at training. He was suffering from a rib injury. He wasn't sure if, they were, if he was going to play or not. And um, we had training, and uh, he came up to me after training and said, mate, I'm out, you're in, um, yeah. and good luck. So, you know, that, that was a, a real sort of uh, like, oh, wow moment. I'm actually going to play a test. And, and then on the morning, I felt pretty good. I got my cap from uh, Bill Brown, who was the oldest living Australian test yeah. player at the time, and, and he said a few uh, nice words. And, and then... It all started to change when Ricky Ponting went out to uh, do the toss. Uh, yeah. He won the toss, and within about sort of half an hour, I was going to be opening the batting with Matthew Hayden in, in a test match. And that's when the nerves and the butterflies really kicked in. Yeah. And uh, we actually sang the national anthem as a team. And, and I think about halfway through that, I lost all feeling in my legs. Yeah. Um, raced off, got my pads on, and, and uh, went to the toilet for about the 35th time with nerves. <laughs> and Warney's in the toilets there with his little Playboy underpants on, just smoking a cigarette. And just he just sort of said, Huss, good luck. You know, you, you don't have to prove anything to us. Just just go out there and play your way. And, yeah. and that was really nice. But it sort of didn't help me as I, as I was walking out the bat, you know, with no feeling in my legs. And yeah. I, I remember facing up, you know, to my first ball and Fidel Edwards was the West Indian opening bowler. And, and um, it's amazing how your mind just fails you at the wrong time. You, yeah. you know, you... you he started his run up, and, and my mind starts wandering off to playing in the backyard with my brother, and and then um, my cricket head would come back on and say, "For goodness' sake, concentrate! You're about to face <laughs> your first ball." And then and then my mind started wandering off again, you know, think, thinking about playing first class cricket and getting dropped from the WA team, and then fighting my way back, and here I was, and then my cricket head again would say, "For goodness' sake, you know, concentrate!" And, and the last thing, just as he was about to bowl. The last thing um, that was going through my mind, I, I actually started to well up. Yeah. Uh, and and I thought you can't be seen crying uh, in your first ball of Test cricket. So uh, yeah, I didn't handle the emotions well at all uh, in my first Test. I must admit, uh, didn't last very long. Only got one run, uh, but it was a great experience, and uh, I, I yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, definitely, and good to see you overcame those in your later Tests. <laughs> yep. And. Uh, <laughs> You scored, you scored your first Test 100 in your third innings, showing you were more than capable at the level. Um, describe the feeling, I guess, when you reached that milestone. Oh, it was unbelievable because it was about 10 or 15 years' worth of, uh, I guess, pent-up 
energy and emotion and what I've been working towards for all those years to, to actually prove to myself and I guess the world that I could succeed at that level was yeah. really satisfying and I actually cringe any time I sort of see the highlights of that um, <laughs> because I carried on like an absolute idiot and uh, <laughs> again the emotion got the better of me but uh, yeah it was a amazing feeling um, and and yeah one that I'll never forget. No yeah. definitely. We, and we, you, had, we, uh, we heard Marnus Labashane say that it was pretty similar for him after scoring his first Test 100. Yeah, I actually saw that interview as well, and, and he sort of almost practised or rehearsed how he was going to react. And yeah. I, I, can, I can understand what he was going through, because you just don't know how you're going to react. And, uh, yeah, I was really happy for Marnus Labuschagne, actually. He's, he's a, obviously loves his cricket and works really hard in his game. And, and uh, he's, he's had a number of half centuries in, in yeah. a row, and he's just not been able to go on with it and, and break through that barrier. So that'll be a big, I think that'll be a big moment for him. And, and, and one, now that he's proved to himself that he can go on and score that 100, I wouldn't be surprised if he kicks on and, and has, has a good run of it. Yeah, well, he's one to watch for the future, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have a favourite 100 from your career, Huss? One that stands out for Benny and I is your 150 alongside Michael Clark's 329 against India. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a bit lucky, I guess, because I came in after uh, Ricky Ponting had just made 100 as well, and yeah. Michael Clark was on 100 and whatever, or maybe even 200 at that stage. Uh, and so the, the Indian bowlers were a little bit tired at that stage. Uh, it was a beautiful batting pitch. And I just felt lucky because I was at the non-strikers end for Michael Clark's innings. And, yeah. and he was just in the form of his life. Like, honestly, it was unbelievable to watch how well he was batting at the time. He, he was really good to bat with, uh, Clark. He, you know, he runs so well between the wickets. And uh, he's always talking and communicating to you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed batting with him. And, and um yeah, I didn't really think too much about my innings. I was more just enjoying pups at the other end. Yeah. And uh, following on from your international career, you joined the Sydney Thunder as captain in BBL 03 and continued until your retirement from all cricket at the end of BBL 05. And you led the franchise to their first BBL title in your last game. How special a moment was it to cap off your decorated cricketing career in such a way? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I actually really agonised over the decision to join the Thunder because I'd been playing for the Scorchers for a couple of years and such a, uh, you know, that's my hometown Perth and, you know, such a great franchise and they've had a lot of success. But to join the Thunder was was a real challenge um, because, to be honest, the Thunder were were below ground zero at that stage and had the opportunity to be part of something to help build that franchise up into, to, you know, to be a respected team. And uh, there were certainly some big challenges along the way. It, it took a while to, to, you know, get the right things in place and the right squad together. But once it all came together, I, I don't even think, I'm not sure I 100% believe that we could go on and win the Big Bash, but yeah, okay. when, it, when it all came together and, and we actually did win it, it was such a satisfying moment. You know, all that hard work that had been put in over over three years, not just by me, but, I mean, by a whole group of people um, on and off the field. Um, it was it was something that I, I certainly am so glad that I made that choice to go and play there. I learned so much about myself as a person, as a player, but also how to how to build a cricket team uh, and a cricket environment, I guess, to, to have, have some success. Yeah. Um, Haas, we recently had Cam White on the show, and you're involved in quite a funny moment in an ODI one day with him where you said, Whitey, don't <laughs> hit another three due to your exhaustion. Do you remember this? Yeah, I remember it. It was up in Darwin, and it was early season. And it was about 30-odd degrees up there, and I'd been batting for a fair while, 
and we were, you know, were running hard between the wickets. Cameron White had just come to the crease. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was fresh as a daisy, and he wanted to run quick singles and twos and threes and things, and I was absolutely exhausted. I, I must have been <laughs> in my mid-30s at that stage. Yeah. And um, it was really hot, and, yeah, I... <laughs> Whitey hit a three, and uh, I said, mate, no more threes. <laughs> I just hit fours. I said, you're in the team to smash the ball out of the park. Um, you know, hits fours and sixes. I don't want to be running these. <laughs> so it was, it was quite funny. And unfortunately, yeah, the, the stump mics picked up everything, and, and I think the commentators had a bit of a laugh yeah, about it. Yeah. No, they definitely found it quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, po- post-cricket, you've been working in various commentary and coaching roles, staying within the game. What are your plans for the future in terms of coaching as you've only recently been with the Australian National T20 team? Do you see that as something you'd like to do more of in the future? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I love the balance I've got at the moment. So, yeah, doing, doing a little bit of coaching uh, um, with the Aussie T20 team recently, which was so much fun. You know, great bunch of guys. Uh, they're really passionate about playing for Australia. And they're building something pretty special leading into the T20 World Cup next year. So it's exciting to be a part of something like that and, and the planning for it and uh, the, the, the type of uh, players they want and, and the, the strategies they want to use on the field. Um, I also do some coaching uh, at the IPL with the Chennai Super Kings yeah. under, under MS Dhoni, which is a awesome experience as well. Um, but then I enjoy the commentary stuff as well. So I've got a nice balance of uh, doing a bit of coaching but doing a bit of the media work and, yeah. and also, most importantly, getting as much time at home. The, the only problem with being probably a full-time coach is that you, um, you, you're spending, well, up to 10 months of the year um, – on the road and yeah. away from your family, and, and and that's not something that I'm wanting to do at this stage of my career yeah. or life. Um, you know, I just want to be around the family as much as I can. And, and by doing a bit of coaching and a bit of media, it gives you me um, it gives me a nice balance. Oh, definitely. And you mentioned the commentary. You're currently commentating on the first test. How do you see it playing out? And what do you see the rest of happening the rest of the summer? Well, from a commentary perspective, we're all pretty happy that uh, Fucker Zaman's not playing. We, we sort of struggled. Uh, we struggled with his name a fair bit, obviously. Um, but no, the Aussies have played really well. That uh, they they you know deserve to win the test and win it well. Um, I think uh, yeah, they're just such a professional unit. It was good to see Davy Warner bounce back after a yeah. tough Ashes series, and and we mentioned Marnus Labuschagne as well getting a big hundred. I felt for Joe Burns. I thought he deserved a hundred as well. Yeah. He batted beautifully, and then the bowlers. Well. They're just relentless. Yeah. You know, Hazelwood and Stark and Cummins in particular, um, they just keep banging away good line and length and good pace and ag- aggression. So it's tough for Pakistan. You know, th- these conditions, they're, they're so foreign to what they're used to playing on and it's not easy to come to a place like the Gabba and, and adapt to, to the extra pace and bounce uh, that, that quickly. So um, they showed a bit of fighting spirit, but, um, but you know, the Aussies are too good, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've we've just been watching the cricket. They're uh, they're stitching you up a bit in the commentary box. Bit of uh, <laughs> Are they what? Bit of uh, pitch tampering, I hear. Eating an egg and bacon roll on the pitch this morning. <laughs> well, you know, you got to have breakfast, don't you? I had to rush out of the hotel this morning. Yep. Um, and you know, ra- race down to the ground. They put on these beautiful egg and bacon rolls, and and then they order you out in the middle to do you know uh, various sort of work. <laughs> so you just got to eat on the run. So yeah, it's a little bit harsh, but um, no, it's good. It's good. It's good banter. And and don't worry, I'm starting to cook up a few uh, a few comebacks as well. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to get them back. Yeah. Warney reckons you should be going to bed earlier. <laughs> and that's rich coming from Warney. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Warney ever sleeps. Well, in fact, I do know he does sleep at times at the, at the commentary. Yeah, so at the wrong time. Sort of, uh, 
pull up under a chair or under a table and have a little tip for half an hour. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not taking any advice from him. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's that's about all we've got for you, Huss. We can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a great insight for us to have someone as high profile as you. So thank you very much, Huss. Nah, no worries, guys. Good luck with it all, and, and have a good season yourselves. I hope, hope you go well. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Just following on from this episode, we'd like to give a massive shout-out and a massive thank you to Lockie Wombat Patterson. Um, Wombat, we can't thank you enough, and yeah. And so that's all we've got for you today on episode 18 of the Chewy On Your Boot podcast, and stay tuned. We might have some pretty big guests coming up, won't we, Riley? We certainly do, so... Stick around. Thank you.